Welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And uh, we're back to discuss spiritual and existential themes and awesome television shows. Today, we're going to talk about Bear Town Episode 3 on HBO Max. But before we get to that, I have not watched anything because I'm remodeling my kitchen. You're not watching HGTV to, for some tips? Chip and JoJo? We literally have a bed sheet over our television. Because our house is full of plaster dust. Yeah, how much longer are you ghosting your TV? Oh, dude, it'll be weeks. No. Well, it takes that. It's going to take that long. I mean, the demo is the dirtiest part, so I should be done with the demo by, you know, another week probably. Are you doing a lot of this work by yourself? Almost all of it. Yep. You're you're a Renaissance man. A little bit. I try to be hunter, chef, lover, contractor. Hey, because um, I'm not remodeling a kitchen, yeah, I have been watching, revisiting the first eight episodes of Servant on Apple TV Plus okay. because it was a type of show that I checked in or checked out of. I don't know why, just life or other shows. But now that the first two seasons are on in their entirety, I've, I'm getting back to that, which is probably many people have already seen it, but very creepy, weird, some religious overtones about this couple who's struggling to cope with the death of their infant child and they have this mysterious babysitter shows up Mm. and you know go from there but anyway that's that's been on the that's a killer serial that we probably won't have time to talk about but worth your time good i'll keep it in mind what's that show there's a show that's been getting a lot of buzz on hbo never neverland no never the nevers the nevers yeah what what do you think? Well, I watched I did watch that pilot. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm intrigued. I like it. This kind of super feminist show where, you know, kind of Victorian era steampunk narrative in which uh, an event happens, you know, 3 years in the past from when the the series takes place that imbues certain people mm-hmm. in the city with supernatural powers and of course the powers that be feel threatened by that largely, you know, white guys, older right? Trying to preserve the order and the quote unquote rule of law. And these two women run an orphanage that provides care for people who have been or have received those special powers. So, but there's also somebody who is hunting those, the, the nevers, I guess, if you will, they, they call them the touched. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, you know, great production value, great special effects, super solid performances. Created by, directed by Joss Whedon, oh, yeah. who, you know, as we all know, but also know recently from the news for some not so good things. And it's yeah. really interesting to see in just the conversations about the show and around the show, how they're basically mm-hmm. just not talking about him at all. Whereas oh, you would think five to 10 years ago, it would be like, oh, this is right. This yeah. is, but it's undeniably good. I, I think it's good, but you know, what do you do with art? Once again, right? Art created by flawed human beings. Exactly. Yeah. And in this case, potentially abusive human being. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. We're all flawed and I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying just because somebody's flawed doesn't mean they can't make beautiful art. And often flawed people do make beautiful art and it leaves the rest of us in a real quandary about how we interact with that art. You know, I have said that, you know, there's so many people who are involved in the creation of film and television, especially, I mean, I think you, you think about music, for example, 
And yes, there are engineers and various writers and artists, producers, but you know, largely that's a, in many ways a, a much smaller team than it takes to pull off something, especially like the Nevers. But if we were to think about all yeah. the people who are involved, if we were protesting shows because of the lifestyle or choices that people make, we, we just couldn't watch anything or listen to anything. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know what we would read. Like, and especially if we can now, again, not making excuses, people make the choices that they want to make in terms of the content that they engage and, and support, but it's just such a big undertaking. So many people who yeah lead lives that we don't know about. And so, right, right. again, try to be smart about what we talk about and what we watch, but yeah. 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 I mean, everything's out in the open now. Right. But it wasn't. Yeah. back in the day so yeah well we don't know anything but we're blessedly naive as to the creators <laughs> of bear town since they're a bunch of swedes but talk about the subject matter you know yeah it really yeah. I, I think it's it's interesting that we've gotten to this point of the conversation because we're we are left with in episode three of bear town for folks who've been watching and listening we know that at the center of this uh limited series is an instance of sexual assault and that happened at the end of episode two. And mm-hmm. in this episode that we're talking about this week, episode three, we're seeing the fallout of that specifically in Maya's life and the trauma that has instilled in her the, the, the effects of that. And in some weird ways, I know, Tony, you probably have thoughts on this, where the episode is tracking Kevin and his life and, and that aftermath. And then, of course, we're left at the end of the episode with the police taking Kevin away off the team yeah. bus on the way to the championship hockey game where Kevin's being taken off the bus. And all of a sudden, you know what's coming in episode four. Is Kevin yeah. going to play? Is he not going to play? Is the town going to support the team? Is the town going to support Kevin, who we all know is a rapist? Yeah. And Kevin's dad is going to freak out. And Kevin's dad is going to go nose to nose with the coach and think that this is a personal vendetta that goes back to their youth hockey playing days, et cetera. Here's, here's, you know, as I was reflecting on this episode and and this isn't as much as, you know, uh, other forms of art. Sometimes, you know, if you're reading something or if you're watching a film based on real events and real persons and you know how it's going to end like you walk into the theater or you start the show knowing how it ends because of course it's some famous story of a famous person that is a particularly difficult thing to pull off i think as a writer to keep keep your audience interested even when you're when they know the outcome so this was a bit of that in microcosm, I thought, this third episode of Beartown, because I think you know, I mean, for sure, anybody who's read the novel knows, and I just think even any old viewer knows that, like, Maya is eventually going to tell her parents about the sexual assault. And she's got her friend who's, you know, her friend is almost like, look, if you don't, I'm going to tell. You know, like yeah, exactly. Th- this th- this shit is going to come out, and they plot this. They have this little scheme where they're going to, you know, record Kevin admitting it in the school hallway, and instead, Maya's like they do this kind of half-hearted attempt to get the truth out 
without actually just having to admit to her parents what's happening. And and then, you know, it's right toward the... So my point is, for, for of this 57-minute episode, you know, for about 50 minutes, we're really in this tense place Very. where Maya hasn't yet told anybody, but we're all kind of, as viewers, suffering with her, knowing that she will eventually tell... And waiting to see how that happens and how painful it will be for her. And I mean, let me just say on that, I'm kind of of two minds. On the one hand, I thought I didn't really see the struggle in Maya as much as I would have liked. I would have liked to been brought into her frame of mind a little more. So that when she finally does break down in the bathroom to her mom and says, you know, he raped me and Kevin, yes, I would have liked to see like her struggle with that as opposed to just being like, I'm not going to tell anybody, look how drunk I was. There was some of it, just maybe not enough for me. On the other hand, or the other side of that coin, Ryan, is that I thought, you know, to for it to come out right when the team's about to leave for the championship hockey game and the dad, you know, jumps in his Volvo and goes screaming home and runs into the house. That, to me, that seemed true to life because when stuff like this comes out, it's never at a convenient time. It's always at the worst time Hmm. in a family's life. Mm -hmm. You know, could she have broken down and told her mom two hours later after the championship game was over and Kevin scored the winning goal? Yeah, she could have. Could she have told her parents three days earlier so you know, maybe Kevin would have gotten out on bail or Kevin would be... No, it's like it's at the worst possible time for both families, for Kevin, for Maya, because now Maya's going to go back to school and she's going to get blamed. It's her fault that they lost the championship, assuming they lose the championship without Kevin, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's where I'm at on that this episode. Yeah, it certainly sets it up for dramatic timing. You've articulated a couple of ways that it could have gone. But it, it certainly heightened the tension, the way in which they've written this reveal in there. And, you know, two things that I th- I thought about this. I I do agree with you a little bit about wanting to to feel a little bit closer to Maya. You know, again, I've said before, I'll say it again. I don't really care about Kevin yeah. as I mean, yeah. even less now. But I just I find him incredibly tiresome and I find Miriam Ingrid as Maya to be a very compelling actress. I agree. I think she's giving it just a superb performance and there's so many subtleties to it. I want more of that. And a couple of things that I thought about the f- aftermath of the rape that I couldn't recall seeing in other shows. And look, I don't watch a lot of shows about this yeah. subject matter, but the proximity of the rapist to the victim's parents is I think something unique in this series. You know, when Maya's mother goes to talk to Kevin, the basically the morning after, and he's just as detached as he could possibly be. Obviously he goes to coach to Peter later in the series and admits how much he admires him and they hug. I mean, it's just so creepy. And, tense and the second thing is maya's vulnerability not only during that moment of assault but following that so 
she tries to get him on camera, which is such a pathetic yeah. attempt. And and I mean that yes, uh, neutrally. Yeah. No judgment. Like, no moral judgment. You feel no so moral bad judgment, for her. You're saying, yeah. No, no. She's so weak in that moment, and she's so small compared to these guys. And the intent is there, but it's it's never going to work. And the vulnerability in her social setting and and kind of the culture of high school, well, she was asking for it, the abuse she yeah. gets online. And then to your point, you've already talked about that. What happens in the next episode? The town blames her. And it's tragedy after tragedy and just more oppression on her. And it really, it really does break your heart. So I feel like those are two kind of bigger themes that this adds to that mm-hmm. genre and that I thought worked well in this episode. So, yeah, well, I, I, I agree. I, I thought it worked well. And, you know, the crucible of high school makes for such a compelling setting for stories like this. Because it's it's kind of a universal touch point for everybody who grew up in the you know modern West. Everybody you know everybody went to high school. Everybody knows the awkwardness of it. Most of us know girls who got sexually assaulted in high school. We also know guys who are perpetrators. So I I do you know one of the things I like is the the scenes in the high school in the hallway there there's a lot of there tends to be a lot of cheesy you know high school hallway scenes in in other tv shows and stuff but i i think in this one it it seems real and you you feel that tension and you see those that hockey posse kind of they all walk around together as this crew and yeah i think in my you know you got to remember Maya's this new girl who just moved into town so there's yeah. just all these layers yeah i i like how that builds the tension in it and i do feel for Maya. i'm like my gosh it's well i mean it's the funny because the last show as i've talked about on the podcast in the past like one of the shows i watched during covid was cobra kai and there are a lot of high school scenes in cobra kai <laughs> And they're played a little, yeah. you know, cheesier, of course. But it's just a nice backdrop for tension between characters. Hey, Tony, I have a question. And I don't want to go too personal on this. So if you want to not answer it, that's fine, too. And then one that's maybe similar take, but a little bit broader. Shows like this, and there have been other shows recently in, that deal with sexual assault and that are out in the mainstream. They're available on Netflix or other streaming platforms. We're in the midst of uh, an ongoing Me Too movement, Time's Up, the whole thing. And like you said, there's nothing. Everything's out in the open now. This is something that feels like it's happened in the last you know, four or five years, mm-hmm. right? Have you noticed a difference in the way that your kids move through high school and either the way that you talk to kids about this? And I know that you've done youth work in the past. You've been part of churches. So the broader part I guess I'm asking just about in conversations you've had with your teenagers or that you've heard them have with with each other, with their peers. And then maybe secondly, about like how to if we're since we're talking about religion, spirituality and theology, are there communities that are doing a good job of this? Mm -hmm. What can communities like that bring to to this ongoing conversation Mm -hmm. about, you know, agency and about consent and all these kinds of things? So, yeah, I guess a bigger big two big questions about just your own experience with teenagers who are in your life and then just how the church can or should be doing better. Yeah. You know, my kids, just to put some context around it, they go to a public high school and, but it's in a, it's in a nice sub. When I went to it, the same high school was all white. 
and now there's actually a lot more diversity. But still on the socioeconomic scale, it's still on the upper end, you know, for a public high school. And of course, there is still stuff that happens in that high school that's not great, but so much less than when I was in high school. I mean, kids are, there's the anti-bullying curriculum is a part of that, like starting in first or second grade in this school district. So, and there's a lot of talk about avoiding sexual assault. There's a lot. It's so interesting, you know, like my kids, for instance, they would never drink and drive. Like if they drink, they're, they do not drive. Even the, my older college kids who are, you know, illegal, like old enough to legally drink, they just never, ever drink and drive. It, it's one of those things that I don't, you know, of course we were told not to drink and drive when we were kids in high school, but it, it, it's, it just wasn't front of mind, I don't think. It is absolutely front of mind with these kids. And same goes for bullying, same goes for sexual assault, same goes for getting consent with your sexual partners. I mean, that kind of stuff, at least for my kids, yeah, it's, you know, I thought about it because it's interesting you bring it up. I did think about it in the context of this show because obviously Sweden is a similarly like very progressive Western society kind of place. And there's no way Kevin thought what he did wasn't wrong. Like he knew it was wrong and Maya knew exactly what to call it. You call it rape or you call it sexual assault. They knew it was wrong. And that's just going, that's a different way to tell this story than earlier stories of of sexual assault in less enlightened times when there was a lot more, you know, hiding it and blaming the girl or blaming the woman, that kind of thing. Not to say that doesn't happen. That stuff still happens. And that's happening in the show. Yeah, but it's happening less. And there's more of like the friend, you know, if, if this show would have been set in the 70s, the friend might have been like, oh, let's cover this up. Nobody need, nobody should know about this. This will ruin your reputation in school. Now in the 2020s, the friend is like, you were sexually assaulted and we need to tell somebody. Like this shit cannot stand. Yeah, my so, and her friend. Yeah, that's the change, I think. And yeah, my kids have definitely seen, been a part of that change. And your view of the church and its position in these conversations and... I mean, yeah. Look, I, I was on another podcast yesterday and we were giving the most plausible and least plausible things we were taught when it, growing up in the church. And my number one least plausible thing that I was taught growing up in the church is that it's reasonable to expect that a human being will have sex with only one person in their entire life. And that's just crazy. That's implausible to teach kids these days or any days because we're freaking animals and we're wired to be non-monogamous, you know? So, yeah. The church. I'm just saying that's the th that's the thread on the sweater that you start to pull in the church. And the problem is, if you're going to stick to that and say that you can only have sex with one person for your entire life, realizing that most most kids who are brought up in the church will not abide by that, then you've suddenly made sex some kind of what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it's it's 
dirty or it's evil or it needs to be hidden or something like that. That's not, I think, what's driving Kevin. I don't get the impression he's like a youth group kid. But in the church, you know, there has been, I, I just read this, my gosh, I just read this really long investigative report about a guy who worked at these Canuck camps in Kansas that were very, very popular. And he was abusing kids for years and years because he had some kind of weird repressed sexuality that was part of his upbringing as an evangelical Christian. So, yeah, I think the church in general, the church is, that's a long-winded answer to say, in general, the church is terrible at confronting the reality of sexuality among adolescents. Yeah, it's a little bit of a loaded question, wasn't it? I think your point, though, is made, if, if that's your starting point about human sexuality, you're going to be ill-equipped to engage effectively on any yeah. conversation yeah. about sex and sexuality, be it consent, be it assault, what have you. Your responses to that are probably going to be, oh, poor. I don't, yeah. You know, yeah. just, just right. ill-equipped to handle the, the situation, to, yeah. to fully address the situation. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, obviously not the show here to talk about how we would do that, but I, I think shows like this certainly give rise to those conversations because we're seeing communities in this series like Beartown, which are familiar to our churches here, small towns, yeah. super involved in athletics, right? active right. youth community, the whole thing. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I do think, you know, looking ahead now, we, we already saw there, there was a foreshadowing of Maya with a rifle and Kevin running through the woods, you know, and I, I think her friend, Maya's, good dear friend Mira is that her friend's name I I think she's also involved in that so uh you know it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because obviously yeah. she she ends up having to kind of take justice into her own hands it seems yeah one last thing I want to comment and you kind of touched on it there too with Maya's friend who Kevin and his hockey pals refer to her as a yokel. Yeah. And I'm always intrigued by the cultural nuances that I may be missing when I watch shows that are from yeah. other countries. And this is one of those that I think Swedish viewers would take for granted. And so I think that's probably going to come into play. We've already seen in the first episode where Maya and her friend are shooting a rifle and you know she's learning how yeah. to shoot a gun. She's a country and girl. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be it'd be interesting to know what other nuances we're missing out that that give that away. But yeah, I think you're right. She's going to play some role in that because she's been a such a big source of support for her in this episode. You can imagine that continues. And she owns the rifle. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to make that assumption there. So yeah, something to look forward to. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to our podcast, Killer Serials. We would love you to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Uh, if you'd like what we're doing and uh, we'd love to hear from you on other shows you think we should watch and break down, but we appreciate your listenership and your support. And we will be back next week with episode four of bear town on HBO max. Thanks. Take care. Stay safe, everybody.